WMU Chief Executive Steve Phillips on Friday night Six Nations, plans for Wales women, the relationship with the regions and much more in this week's Welsh Rugby Union podcast. We'll also hear from Wales women at the end of their Six Nations campaign and second row to Larry Wynne Davis on the inspiration she got from her father, which she now hopes to pass on to the next generation of rugby playing girls. First, a chance to hear in depth from WIU Group Chief Executive Steve Phillips about a range of subjects, starting with the announcement of next season's Six Nations fixtures, including Wales playing France on a Friday evening in Cardiff. It's a choice. You're not going to get every game on a Saturday. It's a choice of either a Friday or a Sunday. So as part of your thinking, there is a commercial conversation. But more importantly, there's always a performance conversation. What the performance teams will always tell you is try and avoid, if possible, a six-day turnaround and particularly avoid a six-day turnaround if you're travelling then to an away match. So, best example I can give you, notwithstanding where we ended up in the Six Nations, you know, we opened up with a Sunday against Ireland, as you know. Then we went to Scotland, six-day turnaround, including a travelling day. So, that's what you're trying to avoid I completely accept that you know going on to a Friday, there's a lot of people who will not like that, and then equally there's a lot of people who doesn't you know don't like a Sunday. So it's really a choice. And financially, does it work? It's not as good as a Saturday, but it's probably better than a Sunday. Work your way backwards. The fixtures you've announced the four autumn internationals. Again, the one that looks the sort of the headline figure is the New Zealand game, which is obviously one of the most lucrative, but it's also outside. The window. Can you just outline the fourth international, the pros and cons you have with that? Beginning from journey, you know, we, you know, as part of our strategies is to play a fourth match. We've been doing that certainly since I've been here. So I've been here since 2007, and it's always been our strategy to have a fourth. So, for example, had we not had the pandemic, we'd have been playing South Africa last year as the fourth. And now we're looking for a fourth match in 2022. So it's pretty much business as usual for the W. Very pleased that we were able to secure the All Blacks this year. And they, to be honest, I find them really good to work with. They've got a very good relationship with their CEO, etc. And of course, there is always this lovely bond between New Zealand and Wales, which I think we all mutually respect, I suppose. Um, does it work, I think, to pinch one of Warren's lines then? To be the best, you've got to play the best. You know, a lot of people will say, but you're not guaranteed release of the players based on the premiership, but you could also turn that into an opportunity for giving other players a chance to play. So it's pretty much business as usual. And, you know, don't forget, you know, England do this regularly. Now, this is not, no, this is not the reason, you know, rugby does, plays an important part here, but it would be, I don't need to tell you this, and it would be remiss of me, you know, not to say that, you know, there is a commercial aspect to this, both for us and for New Zealand. And in the times we're in, we're not going to walk by that, do we? And in t- you mentioned the English-based players, but in terms of the regions, how do they cope with that? Because obviously it's a, another week, perhaps, where they wouldn't have their players. Well, like I said, Jim, it's all built into our agreement. It's all factored in, has been in place for a very long time. So it comes as no surprise. And it was, you know, in recent PRB meetings, you know, there was a lot of positivity about securing New Zealand, really, because of, frankly, because of what New Zealand are and what it brings to Wales. What's the latest on the summer tour, Steve? I mean, you, you meant to be going to Argentina and Uruguay. Scotland announced yesterday they're going to play Romania in Georgia and Europe. Is that South America trip off? <laughs> Honest answer to that is, this is the next call I got after you at four o'clock. 
So I cannot see us traveling to Argentina. It's a red country, and you probably know what this means, which means that, you know, people love to go down there. But on the way back then, you know, the players will be faced with what they call a hard quarantine of, I think it's 10 days. We don't think that's acceptable to our players because, you know, hard quarantine is one of these, you know, you live in a Heathrow hotel for 10 days. That is pretty tough going on the back end of a long season. And, of course, you then sort of butt into player welfare, player rest on the start of next season. So, you know, the way that the World Rugby schedules work, it's our obligation to go down to Argentina. It's Argentina's whole match. It's Argentina's income. It's basically the inverse of what we have in the autumn, effectively. So what we're going to be talking to Argentina about is trying to put them back in the position they were in as if they were playing at home. So the conversation that would you like to come to Wales? We were happy to host you. We were happy to contribute towards your cost because I think the fundamental thing is we desperately want to play two or three test matches this July because, of course, you know, we lost the, the tour to New Zealand, you know, this time last year. World Rugby are very supportive as well at the moment. And it's just going to come to an arrangement where everybody ends up in a place that they're comfortable with. It's, it's very similar which you may have seen that um, the RFU have done with the USA and Canada because they're not travelling to the USA and Canada, but you know both of those are coming to England. I think they're being hosted in Britain, I think. If Argentina don't come, what's plan B? Plan B is probably going to be something in around the, given that the USA and Canada are around in this country, conversations with them, possible conversation with Japan, because of course they're around because they have been Murrayfield, aren't they, with, with the Lions and any and all of the above of those. And don't forget, I suppose, you know, there's also a mix of match play here because, you know, we're obliged to play two matches against Argentina. So if Argentina are inclined to come, we could play Argentina twice or maybe we could play the USA, Canada or Japan as well. But I think Wayne is very keen to have Test Rugby again. If we're being very positive here, we're hoping to get some significant lion calls ups and so it'll be a great opportunity again as as it was last autumn to give other players a chance what's the situation then with crowds Steve? because in the press release wayne peepak said it would be good for the autumn that if you could get full crowds for the first time in almost 21 months does that mean if you are playing two home matches you're resigned to not having crowds just in yet what's the latest you've had with that with the welsh government depending where we get to a test events i probably don't have any real expectation of getting any crowds, certainly not significant crowds for July, based on conversations with Welsh government. Then, of course, the next opportunity for us will be the autumn. And our ambition is to have full houses. Welsh government are aware of our ambition. They're aligned with our ambition. But, of course, we also recognise it'll be government regulations that tell us or otherwise what we can and cannot do. So we're going to have to be very flexible. So we have great demand already for the tickets for the autumns. But we've gone out with a very full refund policy to the extent that the guidelines or we get another wave or whatever we get, all the tickets will be refundable. When you see the test events perhaps coming in in May the 17th in England, are you frustrated by that? Financially, you can get a little bit frustrated, but again, we've got to take our lead from Public Health Wales and we will align by that and every government will have their own view. Welsh government are our government and we're happy to respect that. But if you really ask me, would I want crowds? Yes. But then I wouldn't want that at the risk of another outbreak or another risk very similar to what we've discussed before. It's like we talked before about, you know, when we did the Autumn Nations Cup, we were always no crowds, it was fine. 
And then, of course, remember the final, England and France. I think they had 2,000 or 4,000 or something, didn't they, in the final. And that was because they were at a different level, because all this, you're governed by the level you're in. Wales obviously did very well in the Six Nations. Might address a couple of things now, which aren't perhaps going so well at the moment, sort of in Welsh rugby. The Wales women's team have just finished sixth. They've obviously, they got 20 points against Scotland. There's been a lot of criticism of the union over the last couple of weeks from sort of ex-players saying that you're not doing enough for the Wales women's game compared to other nations. What would you say to that? The way I'd approach this, you know, we had a strategy in place well over a year ago now. And I think you know, what when we look at it internally, you know, we are three games into that strategy. What has obviously become clear to us the pandemic effects of last year probably hit us harder than we were probably realising. So don't forget, there was no community rugby and probably preparation for the performance team, which of course is the, you know, the senior women, was impacted more than we thought. But I keep coming back to the fact, you know, we've said publicly, the women's game is very important to us strategically and otherwise. We will invest in it. And what we're going to do now is have a, I lose the words carefully, but sort of we're going to have a check-in on our strategy. That's already started. I've had a couple of conversations with Warren along the lines of how do we make this better? What do we need to do? What do you need to do? What do we need to do? How do we get this back on in line, I suppose, then with the original strategy? Now, don't forget, because Rugby World Cup, because of the pandemic, has moved from Rugby World Cup 21 to 22. And of course, it's a, you know, it's a great opportunity now that gives us more time to check on our strategy and tweak and amend as appropriate. But I think you know, we are not moving away from our position that we are going to invest into the women's game. Your predecessor, Martin Phillips, suggested that the game was going to go professional for Wales women. Is that close? Is that something you'd like to see? That's actually in the strategy. So when I say checking it in and then checking the strategy, that would be another thing that you know we would be looking at. Is that still the right thing to do? And well, we go from there. So at the moment, that's in the strategy and we haven't amended the strategy. You know, there's a lot of conversations to be had as part of the checking to taking all the right consultation. What is everybody else doing? Do we think we're internally on track? Taking some external viewpoints. We do this sort of stuff very thoroughly to make sure we're properly armed with all the facts before we make a decision, perhaps is the way I'd explain it. And the regional game, Steve, obviously Wales won the Six Nations and then a couple of weeks later, then... They're all out of Europe. There's the age-old balance between Team Wales, how well they're doing, and the regions as well. Are the WRU doing enough for the regions in terms of giving them finances and also resources? We've had this conversation many, many times. Then we saw, can I explain to you why all the regions went out on that particular end? No, I can't. You know, if if you wanted a CEO view of it as opposed to a performance rugby view. Three of them, there were leads, and we gave up the leads. And let's forget, Wales were exactly the same with France, you know, so let's not forget that. And I'm sure that, you know, the relative coaching teams have had a good look at that. Why did that happen? Including Wayne, by the way, because it did, because I was there. But if you go back then to the, you know, the conversation we've always had, you know, we came into the crisis, a lot of financial challenges, PRA funding was, you know, £3 million. We recognised that wasn't sustainable. So then we went out to get CL bills loan, £20 million. That wasn't very straightforward. That took a lot of time and effort. Of course, and then we had a load of support from government and, and hugely welcome. So in terms of you know cash flows then, working together with them, you know, don't forget, you know, we, we do a lot of this stuff together. The regional game in Wales this year has had, accepting that part of this is loan, is around 33 million this year. Whereas previous two years, previous historical funding and PRA would have been around 20 million. 
Now, I completely accept, you know, the next question you're going to ask me is, you went into it with CL Bills Loan. CL Bills Loan is a particular form of instrument. It's only got a particular term of life. You know, we are now working with Welsh government about renegotiating that, refinancing it, whatever word you want to choose, with the objective being to try and get the repayment terms and indeed the coupon to align with what, you know, is available to the clubs in England. And that, I can promise you, is a very live work stream at the moment. There was a plan A, there was a plan B. Plan A was Welsh government, together with a bit of us, Welsh government being by far the most dominant party there, into the lobby UK government to get CL bills as an instrument extended. You know, if that would have reared its head, we'd have seen that in the budget. So we're kind of thinking that's probably not realistic now. And now we're back into plan B, which is the WIU talking with our government about can we structure the, you know, refinance the CL bills in line with what you see, you know, the clubs Imperial have got in. The 38 players that you have, obviously, the Wayne selects for the national squads and everything like that. Can I just clarify, is that still the wages of those 80% WIU, 20% regions? Because different people have said different things to me. There is this overall PRA funding model, and the PRA funding model will deliver a level of funding. It's a risk and reward strategy. Sometimes it pays more, sometimes it pays less. And of course, as we went into COVID, it rewarded less because we didn't have any crowds, our sponsorships were down, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the second limb to the question is, depending on what level the funding is, it works as a waterfall, yeah? So it, it, what do you fund first? And once you get into the waterfall, the National Squad 38, of, you know, who, we're always Welsh, by the way, the WIU will pay 80% of their salaries provided the PRA funding is in excess of that amount. The National Squad 38 is a waterfall effect of the overall funding. It's the first thing that gets paid. It's perhaps a better way of explaining it to you. This is all in accordance with what the PRA is. So all this gets signed off at PRB, gets signed off for the WIU, gets signed off at regional level, as all these things did with all the loans and so forth, and indeed, you know, the government support. When can club sites come back, Steve? Do you think, when, when do you think you'll have competitive action this summer obviously there's no leagues but there are ambitions I suppose to get some matches contact back I think it's another positive thing I think contact is allowed back next week what's fascinating and of great delight to be honest is the built of demand so we've been running some non-contact things and we've had registrations are through the roof you know at all levels and if anything you know one of the things the challenges the WU are going to have now is you know, is meeting the demand. So we've just taken off pretty much everybody in the community space who was on furlough because, you know, community rugby is coming back and we want to make sure that we can service it. Do you think there'll be contact matches before next September when the new season might start? I think there'll be contact matches, but I'm probably not in the traditional contact matches. I think people will be able to tackle each other, but not in a way that, you know, we didn't recognise it or known it pre-COVID then, I suppose, is the way to explain it. But I think, you know, the good thing for us, or the way we're looking at, you know, it's the fact that there is contact, the game is capable of contact sport next week. I think it's massive, massive positive, against the backdrop of an excitement on our side of all the numbers who are desperately seeking to get back. I think the other thing I forgot to say, you were talking about, and I know it was a COVID backdrop, and I know it was, you know, lockdown, but some of the um, win figures in the Six Nations were remarkable. I was on a call and the BBC said to me 75% of the Welsh population watched you know, the Welsh matches. 
I know somebody said to me, I said, well, does anybody know who the, what the other 25% are doing? But it, I thought it was a lovely story that how much we all you know, get behind the Six Nations. Running on from that, Steve, then the Six Nations is going to remain on free-to-air then? The conversations are ongoing. They're now led by Six Nations. And frankly, we've got, you know, it's a, it's a commercial conversation and we've got an open mind to whether it be free-to-air, whether it be pay TV or perhaps a hybrid of both. listening to the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. Lots of interesting stuff there. So, talking about Wales women, they finished their Six Nations campaign with a narrow defeat in Scotland, but a much improved performance with some excellent tries. Afterwards, acting captain Georgia Evans spoke to Liz Jones. A much better performance today was the feeling in the camp. But I think it's really positive at the minute. I think we... Started off a bit rusty, but going into the end, I think the finish that we gave actually showed the heart, the desire, and actually how we want to play for the full 80 minutes. So just a bit of consistencies. We've still got a few things to iron out, but the overall feeling in camp was it felt like we won at the end. Like, you know, it was quite a high feeling, so really happy. A lot to build on that performance today. Yeah, we can take loads of positives away from that performance. I think, you know, there's always things that we can iron out, get better at and work on and and push forward. But I think taking the positives from that game, we've shown glimpses of what we can do. We just need to make sure that we're consistent throughout the park now so that we can do that for the full 80, you know, and get those wingers on ball earlier. A lot of strong performances throughout the side today strong carrying from the forwards well throughout the team and other things to work on like line out really yeah I think overall the girls can be really really happy and I think we all dug deep with our performances today everybody stepped up and did their roles well I think set piece is a massive thing for us you know we've really really worked at it and we've really looked at it but maybe something didn't click today but I think that set piece is one of them things that once it clicks and it goes right then it's right for the whole campaign so there's something we'll learn on and there's always more to do so and onwards and upwards now going forward, 18 months out from the World Cup, there's a, a lot to build on. Yeah, I mean, the World Cup is pivotal of, of everyone's rugby career and we all really want to get there. So I think now it's just about resetting. It's been an emotional campaign. It's been a tough one, but actually we can all go away from this now knowing that we've put a performance in to be proud of at the end. I think we go back to clubs, we reset, we finish the season on a high. Individually, we've got to look at ourselves and really push forward to make sure that when we come back into camp, we don't start from ground zero. We start from where we left off and we build on the performance rather than going back to the very beginning. So. Yeah, lots to look forward to and um, it will be exciting to see what happens. One of the players in action was Tulare Wynne Davis from Barla. We heard last week about the new room at the Barla Clubhouse named in tribute to her father, Brian Yogi Davis. She was first capped by Wales three years ago but has now returned to the side with renewed passion as she explained to Liz Jones. What do you put this down to, this kind of renewed form? I think it's down to mindset. During the lockdown, I've really had the chance to reflect on what I want in life and I've realised that rugby is a journey that I want to be a part of and I've become more determined and that's the same for every training session, every game that I I have been playing throughout the season. And you've spoken about um, the influence of your dad and how you gave up rugby to start with but you, you went back initially for him. Yes, 
that's another thing that I've realised over the lockdown is um, I want to pursue my rugby career for him and to live his dream. Um, but by now, obviously, it is my dream also. And that's the reason why I'm here is, is to carry on his name, if you'd like. Just sum up briefly, you know, his legacy, if you like. We were at um, Bali and you saw everything, the room in his name and the legacy that he's left for the club, but also for yourself. Yeah, um, he basically always said that whatever happens in the field stays in the field. At the end of the day, rugby is more than just a game. It's a community, um, it's family, and that's the most important thing about rugby, and I've learned that from him. Seeing also the room in his memory being completed and being in Bell Rugby Club, it really did hit home and made me realise, you know, my why, and that rugby is is more than just a game. And it was also nice to see so many girls playing at your old school and that's another legacy of yours, but it's also something you've been saying recently as a squad, you know, play for the young girls that you once were and also for those girls that are looking up to you now. It was so nice to see those young girls playing rugby and enjoying playing as well. When I was younger, I didn't really have a female role model in the rugby world that I could look up to. And I feel that it is our responsibility to be that role model and to inspire the younger generation because at the end of the day, they are the future. And, you know, hopefully some of the girls that I watched will be representing the country soon. And now your dad will be very proud, I'm sure. Uh, Yes, I'm sure he'd be very proud and, um, yeah... Plenty to get your teeth into in this week's Welsh Rugby Union podcast. More next week, of course. But until then, goodbye and stay safe.